Hey Smarties, you're listening to That Slayer Show. My name is Keita Schroeder. And I'm Madeline Kane. And this is season one, episode seven. Angel. <laughs> so before we get started, we're just going to share a review that one of our listeners left. Uh, M. Parker 7116 has left a review on our podcast saying this podcast was very well done and quite entertaining. The production was great and the flow was spot on and both Madeline and Kate present interesting insights into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Thank you M. Parker 7116. So Madeline what do we have going on for this episode? We're watching this episode through the theme of betrayal. I really enjoyed this episode. It's been my favorite so far. I cannot wait to talk about it. Why has it been your favorite, Kate? That I just thought everyone did a great job at everything that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Did it have anything to do with a certain A? A hunk, maybe? A um, hunk with bulging His eyes. name is Amit, actually. He's a very <laughs> charming foreign exchange student. Okay. Are you ready for the one minute recap? I'm ready. I'll count you in. Three, two, one, go. All right, so uh, it starts out in the master's cell, and he's sending the three to kill Buffy. Also at the bronze, there's a fumigation party, and yeah. And then Buffy leaves the bronze because she's feeling lonely and sad, and then uh, the three come and attack her. And then she's saved by Angel, and then they have to run into Buffy's house, and then um, Buffy is treating his wound. And Angel's like, Charlotte's at his house, and then he stays the night. And then... The next day they go um, after then the next day happens and Angel stays in his room and Buffy's room and then she brings him dinner at the end of the day the next day and then there's the moment where they kiss right and then he turns into a vampire and runs away and then she's like oh my god do I have to kill him and yeah and then Xander's like yes you do have to kill him but then they have this epic oh and then no and then Darla is also in the picture and Darla is like Angel sexy I'm sexy and you're sexy we're sexy together (laughs) right and so then Darla tries to trick Buffy into killing Angel by biting her mom and then Buffy thinks it's real and then Buffy tries um, to kill Angel because she thinks that he's bad but then Angel's good and Angel kills Darla (laughs) did we miss anything KJ? Angel has a soul and that's why we don't know that he's a vampire this whole time because he's just he's like a human but a vampire right they go into it a bit there's this whole backstory with the curse he was cursed by gypsies because the like best way to make him suffer was to make him feel guilt and remorse about all the lives he's taken as a vampire and all the horrible things he's done to make him feel guilt they had to restore his soul and so that's why we see him being in this space of like kind of a vampire kind of a human he has a vampire face he drinks blood he can't be in sunlight but he also has feelings and cares about people so madeline betrayal any big moments that you felt particularly strong about well the big one is the betrayal that buffy is forced to confront when she finds out Angel is a vampire. So that was the big moment where I saw betrayal. But I think a more interesting betrayal is how Angel is betrayed by his own nature as a vampire. That was like the more interesting area of betrayal that I was noticing this episode. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so he like wants to be human because he has a human soul, it seems like, but yet he still is a vampire and he he has to drink human blood. 
he can't be in sunlight and so in some really core ways he's betrayed by himself there are aspects of him that don't allow him to really be human and that that kind of I think might feel like a betrayal to him it kind of made me think about um things that I feel often that feel like a betrayal to myself so you know for example jealousy I don't logically want to feel that way but it's like I feel sometimes betrayed by something deeper within myself that like can't help but feel jealous or can't help but compare myself to others and that does feel like a betrayal anyway anything sparking in you with that yes I was thinking about as you were speaking is how vampires are almost always a metaphor when they're when they're anywhere in media when vampires show up in in books and in tv shows or movies they're often representing some sort of social ill and so one of the things that vampirism can be a metaphor for is like addiction so on the theme of something in your nature betraying yourself angel is working so hard to be like a human he's doing all of the right things but he still needs to drink blood it still is the thing that's holding him back from maybe being with buffy yeah (laughs) you are blowing my mind and that is such a betrayal he can't not be both a vampire and a human and is there a way for him to exist that where he doesn't have to be betraying himself every day one of the things that i'm thinking of is how most of the time alcoholics who are sober refer to themselves as sober alcoholics, right? So he's always going to have to deal with it and be sober in his way. So I wonder, is him drinking like blood bags from the hospital still betraying himself? Well, to extend this metaphor. Oh, please. <laughs> well, I guess it's not really an extension, but maybe a clarification. I'm just sort of appreciating how hard uh, how hard it must be for Angel because people who are alcoholics, I think a lot of people, they have a milestone for a certain number of days or months or years sober. But for Angel, he can't not drink blood. He can not kill people. So he can be sober from killing people but he can't not drink blood and I think we see how that makes it really tough for him in this episode and we see when Angel is presented with Joyce's neck that's oozing blood he's you know his vampire face comes out and he's really tempted to drink her blood and I think that does feel so similar to like you know there's a temptation there it's not just about the blood it's about drinking fresh warm human blood straight from the vessel so i don't know i guess i'm learning something about vampires right now (laughs) which is that like it really isn't just about the blood it's about the process and maybe yeah angel isn't just isn't just having to deal with drinking blood he's having to fight the urge to kill people too so i'm wondering what the most significant part of this betrayal is it's a battle he has to fight every day but like how do we go just one layer deeper you know he's ready by the end of the episode to just get Buffy to kill him so that he doesn't have to deal yeah, with it he's literally wants Buffy to kill him he like he attacks her to like provoke her he like wants to die yeah which I mean speaks to the harm that when you feel like you are betraying yourself every day like that's really it's hard to live with yourself and it probably creates a lot of self-hate and like thoughts of self-harm which is really intertwined with people who suffer from addictions i don't know if this is really a step deeper or if it's just like a step to the side but i'm wondering if i feel like angel could really use um he could really use someone to talk to (laughs) about all of these 
something? You mean his little room next to the boiler where he stays alone and leaves to watch Buffy isn't conducive to a good mental health? That is what I mean. No, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I think what really feels um, intertwined with betrayal is like feelings of powerlessness. Like if you're betraying yourself, it feels like you're doing something that you don't want to be doing and therefore you don't have the power in this situation and then if someone betrays you that also means like you're not in control of the situation maybe there's something there about like how the relationship between the position of power and betrayal and who's getting betrayed you know when i we first started talking about this i talked about jealousy that i feel sometimes that also doesn't feel like a choice and same i'm sure with people who suffer from addictions it doesn't feel like you have a lot of agency sometimes when you are really craving a substance when yeah. you're addicted, dependent on a substance. Yeah, like you're, it's going to result in more feelings of frustration toward yourself when it's like you doing the thing and yet you feel like you don't have any control. Yeah. Do you? Do we want to talk a little bit about the betrayal that, that Buffy felt? Yeah, I'm a little interested in that. Yeah, let's explore that. So I was thinking about how Buffy feels betrayed by Angel twice in a way. First when she finds out he's a vampire and then again when she thinks he bit her mom. And one of the things that I was wondering is I think Buffy feels betrayed because he's been a vampire this whole time and she didn't know that he's been passing as a human. But when I'm wondering if the real betrayal was how he acted towards her that he let them get close, that he then made out with her, that he was, he wasn't spending a lot of time with her, but I'm wondering if the betrayal there was not in the fact that he is a vampire, but the fact that he has, you know, had all of these interactions with her that suggest that he's interested in her and that he's a human. Yeah, I wonder how long it would have been before he told her he was a vampire if his face hadn't come out at that time. So, I mean, I guess I don't feel like it was that bad of him not to tell her that he was a vampire at first when they're just flirty friends because like that seems like pretty harmless and like he doesn't really owe her anything at that stage but I think maybe the kissing feels like he could have told her before then is there a little mini betrayal in there too where like he knew he wasn't supposed to but yet again there's those animal instincts like his nature they're just so attracted to each other they can't help it I just think that after 240 years, he's got to have a little bit of a of a logical edge on this 16-year-old. <laughs> okay, but this is reminding me of something that I either heard or read. But what if when the person becomes a vampire, they're kind of frozen in that level of maturity for the rest of their lives? And I kind of like that only because it makes me feel morally a lot more okay with being into some of these vampire human relationships where the vampire is super super old and the human is not because it feels very pedophilic so to give myself some space to be into those relationships I'm kind of into the idea that and it also kind of makes sense because Angel doesn't seem to be super mature by any means I mean he's like kind of quiet and broody but broodiness does not equate maturity or wisdom so I would go with that except it feels a little weak given how many other vampire stories there are where it seems that the vampire has accrued a ton of knowledge well he might be getting knowledge but in terms of like emotional maturity and like those kinds of things <laughs> it this, definitely feels fall flat <laughs> if it does it's definitely not your fault because that's out there and i think it was created for just these situations 
But another thing relating to the Buffy and Angel situation that was a little interesting to me is that after this feeling of betrayal that Buffy has the first time when she finds out he's a vampire, that's not quite enough to make her ready to kill him by any means. And then by the second time, maybe because it feels like a much deeper betrayal, he's actually done something. It's not just who he is that's a lie. Then she's very ready to get rid of Angel because she thinks he attacked her mom. Maybe like what is changing that makes that the line? I think in the first betrayal, there's still other actions that he's done that are outweighing the feeling of betrayal potentially to at least maybe, I mean there's still the feeling of betrayal but it's not so strong that she feels like she needs to kill him um, she doesn't know that he's killing other people he just saved her life from the three who were like these super powerful vamps that were trying to kill her so I think she still feels unclear after the first betrayal whether he's good or bad especially because he was like so close to her neck that night they were kissing and still didn't try to harm her at all but then of course when she thinks that he's sucked on her mom's blood okay now he's crossed a different line like he's endangering not just innocent people but people i'm close to like my mom was there anything else that you noticed madeline so i'm wondering if if we wanted to get into so in the bronze at the end when angel and buffy are kind of having their showdown and then it becomes clear that actually neither of them want to kill each other and they're actually still super hot for each other then darla kind of appears out of the shadows and is like okay well now i'm gonna kill buffy you crazy schmucks and she brings out two like guns just double fisting these pistols <laughs> and i'm wondering if there's a betrayal in the sense of the weapons that you can bring to one of these showdowns in buffy so far it's just been like fists and stakes but now all of a sudden we've introduced guns and that obviously is really dangerous for buffy because guns don't harm vampires it's just going to be lethal to buffy which anyway so i'm wondering if there's like a betrayal of like the rules of of expectations for these kind of face-offs between vampires and humans can they just bring guns i as a viewer felt very betrayed by the situation because i always have such firm belief in buffy's ability to fight with her to fight with her hands and with martial arts against vampires and suddenly I just didn't know it was going to happen given that there are seven seasons I suspected that she might survive but yeah I love that point I felt kind of betrayed too (laughs) it felt like if Harry Potter had or if Voldemort had brought a gun to like kill Harry it's like wait but that's not the rules it's kind of surprising when you're having vampires using this really modern day weapon it's not like good sportsmanship, but like vampires, they never signed on to good sportsmanship. That was never in the job description. I think it shows that she has a respect for Buffy's abilities because she doesn't even want to get close enough to yeah. have to fight Buffy. Yeah. She wants to keep her at arm's length and she doesn't want to let Buffy close enough to kill her. And she succeeds. Buffy never gets close to her and Angel is the one that kills her. That makes Angel staking Darla a really big betrayal for her because she was counting so much on Angel not doing anything to her that she wasn't paying attention to him at all. She was just going to kill Buffy. Right. She brought guns potentially so that Angel wouldn't get harmed. He was so not on her radar as a threat that she didn't even think to bring anything that would protect her from him we see that when she goes into his home and is all buddy buddy with him i think she knows that he has this curse but she doesn't know that he's like willing to go so far as to betray his own people how do we feel about betrayal in terms of like if a bad guy betrays a bad guy making the bad guy a good guy (laughs) so a good bad guy betraying the bad guys yes 
How do we feel about that? Does it still feel like betrayal or does it feel different because... Does it feel like vigilante justice? Right. I don't think betrayal has morals. Yeah. I don't think betrayal signed the... What was it? The sportsmanship contract either. Right. Yeah. Keita, what did you like about this episode? Okay, so one of the things that I liked was in the scene where Buffy is going to kill Angel, but before Darla arrives. She doesn't know that he didn't kill her mom, but she's decided to trust him. So I love how Buffy does the thing that will make it impossible for Angel to kill her because she knows he has a conscience, which is make it so that if he did kill her, it would have been in cold blood. So she puts down her weapon and freely offers him her neck. And I think she knew that he couldn't do it because he would feel too bad about it. So I just loved that confidence. It was a wager, but I was very impressed by her bravery definitely i liked that a lot too when i watched this episode the first time i was wondering i was thinking it was more of a gamble than it was i was thinking she just was maybe so into him that she just wanted to believe that he wasn't going to do it but i think it was more than that i think it was very calculated oh i like that i kind of viewed it more as a gamble but you're right she seems to have an idea of how much she's being torn up by it because he's just told her the story and so i think she was actually really confident i don't think it was as much of a risk as it seems totally Madeline, anything you enjoyed this episode? I liked when we get to see Darla and Angel interact for the first time and we see that they have a history. I specifically liked Darla calling Angel out saying, last time I saw you, it wasn't high school girls. So Darla's calling Angel out for being into Buffy. And I I really appreciated that because someone has to do it. (laughs) It was good. Even if he is 24, she's still 16. And that's actually a pretty big age difference. I'm saying even if he has the emotional maturity of a 24 year old we know he's actually 240 years old but let's give him the benefit out of the doubt just for this conversation and and assume he has the emotional maturity of a 24 year old it's still pretty inappropriate that would be me dating a sophomore in high school which is cringe yeah so i still find their interactions hot i don't know if there's like a moral dilemma there but i like logically also know that it's pretty inappropriate in terms of the age difference And so I'm glad Darla said something. I think Darla makes a lot of good points as to why Angel and she should be together. (laughs) And I don't really disagree, but obviously it would really throw off us getting to see Angel. And so I'm a little bit more pro-Angel and Buffy. I don't know. I struggle because the age difference does make me kind of uncomfortable, but I feel always overpowered by like the joy of watching like vampire things. Never is so much where I'm like, I can't watch this. And I think that's intentional. There are other vampire media in which this is the case. And that wasn't, you know, that wouldn't be enough to turn me off from it. There's a lot of vampire stuff. It's interesting to me that a huge power differential and age differential is sold to us as a supernatural relationship and therefore okay. And I think this almost harkens back to episode four with the praying mantis where we say, oh, well, one of the reasons that the assault that's happening here is made palatable is this idea that she's a monster and not actually a person. And so I wonder if in a similar way, the supernaturalness of it all is supposed to make us a little more comfortable with it. I think it works. 
do you think it at all gives us permission to like live out fantasies that we have? Yeah. I wonder like why that's a fantasy, but I it like totally is. We can't really pretend like it's not or else why would all of these shows be so successful and exist? Well, by fantasy, are you referring to a hot older somewhat older man who's strong and powerful and can just take care of you right although in this relationship between angel and buffy that's not the dynamic at all which is one of the reasons why i feel more comfortable with this than say edward and bella yeah me too buffy has a lot of agency she has a lot of power she is as strong as angel right Well, the age difference is bad because of the power dynamic that it sort of establishes, but we don't really see that happening with them. Have we just talked ourselves into being okay with this? (laughs) I think I did. I did too. (laughs) I feel great. (laughs) So was there anything that you were uncomfortable with or didn't like, Madeline? One thing that I want to get into with you is how they characterized and used gypsies in this episode. They talk about how the gypsies cursed Angel. And, you know, we just saw last episode the use of this real group of people, the Maasai people, to, like, perpetuate this plot, and they mischaracterized the Maasai people. And so now we're seeing them talking about gypsies, and I'm, like, a little bit concerned that we're seeing the same thing happen again in a different iteration. So the Romani people, who are often referred to as gypsies are an ethnic group that has communities across the world and a lot of communities in Europe, which is where Angel encounters them. But they are almost everywhere a minority. They have historically faced persecution during times of social tension, in part because they were so othered as a very visible minority. And so depictions of Romani people in art and in media, like we see in Buffy, which attributes sort of mystical powers to them or magic, is something that can be really harmful because it can really contribute to this process of othering which plays an important role in violence that is carried out against different ethnic groups and peoples yeah what did you not like i wasn't really sure how i felt we talked about the power differential between buffy and angel feeling pretty okay but i didn't love that he was patrolling her house so when darla bit joyce Angel happened to be outside and heard the screaming came in, which was good because then Joyce didn't die. It did feel like a breach of Buffy's trust. So I read that scene a little differently. So I thought that he had gone up to the door. Like, wasn't he about to knock? Okay, so I didn't realize he was patrolling the house. I thought he was trying to, like, go to Buffy to talk to her and then about maybe something and then he heard the scream and then he was like leaving he was like wait no i'm not going to say anything and then he hears the scream and then kicks down the door or something oh i thought do you remember that happening no i did i just saw him out in the yard and i just assumed he was looking after the house because he's got nothing else to do but i kind of like that interpretation actually that being said let's say he did go up to knock and he was it was totally an innocent thing that he happened to be there at the right time to save joyce but earlier in the episode he is at the bronze just sort of watching buffy and then he follows her when she leaves and buffy doesn't know he's there um so we do have kind of a similar thing where he's kind of following her in a way that feels a little not normal for like a normal relationship thank you for reminding me of that because i've thought of that before and he does follow her around frequently he does yeah it's not the first time i think he definitely justifies it to himself as 
protecting her and looking out for her, but she does pretty okay on her own. She does quite okay. She really did need him when the three attacked her, though. She did. Good timing. I'm wondering if the fact that she really did need help at that moment and Joyce really did need help at that moment are just ways that make us more ready to accept this uncomfortable fact that he's yeah. following her and I think they might be yeah it's like why wouldn't he just talk to her and be like hey let me walk you home I'm worried for your safety I heard the three were after you let me walk you home I guess maybe one reason he didn't is because like she's the slayer she would probably be like why would you walk me home I'm the slayer and then there might be have to be a conversation about how he's also really strong because he's a vampire <laughs> <laughs> I think there are so many ways that he could have swung that without telling her what he is. Yeah, he, he could have just been clear about his presence. He could have just happened to leave at the same time. Madeline, is there any <coughs> advice you'd like to bestow on any of the characters? I do have some advice. I would like to request that the master has one of his little minions go up to the surface one night, go to CVS get some face cream, bring it back down to him, and, like, moisturize, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about you? Any advice? I think that Giles is already so openly spending a lot of time with three high schoolers, including sitting at a cafeteria table with them and also hanging out with them all the time in the library. So I just think that on top of all these things, he could not go to the hospital where Buffy's mom is and show his face. And I think that would maybe be a little more unobtrusive and maybe help them hide this whole Slayer Watcher thing a little bit better. I like that he's being, you know, caring and like it's good to have the people that you're close to be supportive of you. Love that. But he is interestingly, it is clearly important to him that she maintains her Slayer identity as a secret. You know, he makes a big deal about that in episode five with Owen. It's like the utmost importance. And yet he's not really taking the steps to keep his watcher identity a secret he doesn't do a lot to keep their special connection between Buffy and Giles like he doesn't do things to make that seem normal which is kind of odd your piece of advice is inspiring another piece of advice within me great I would like to see someone being like wait Giles and Buffy spend so much time alone in the library together let's just check in and make sure that nothing weird is happening between them if I didn't know what was going on and was another staff member another teacher and saw Buffy and Giles hanging out all the time together alone in the library we know that they're training and stuff it would be pretty reasonable of me to like check in with someone who's in charge of Giles or with Buffy to make sure that everything happening was you know appropriate I agree So advice to, like, you know, someone else in the school. Just, like, check in. Thank you so much for listening to the seventh episode of That Slayer Show. If you liked this episode and this podcast, please share and subscribe and give us a little review on Apple Podcasts. Send it to a friend. Heck. Madeline will read the review since I don't have an Apple Podcast account. Yeah, I'll read them. Our cover art was done by the incredible Holly Colvin. And this podcast is inspired by Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
you know, I have a lot of, well, no, I don't have a lot of flirty friends. (laughs) It's like not true, but I can imagine people having flirty 